All right, I have the pleasure and honor of bringing you uh, a word today. And by me, I mean the Lord is going to give a word, um, and I just have to speak. Um, I'm not, every time I come up here, I talk about how I prep and prep and prep, and then God says, eh, no, something else, joke's on you. So if there's one thing I've learned in my my time in ministry, it's that the Holy Spirit is an incredible interpreter. Uh, and it's amazing to me how we can all read the same, same words from the same book and receive exactly what we need. I was talking to Nick Kidwell about that the other day, and he said, uh, after he preached, someone came up to him and said, you know, I got, I got something out of your message, and gave a specific example, and he just goes, I don't even remember talking about that. <laughs> and so before I start, what I'd really like to do is, is just pray and invite the Spirit here to open our ears, open our hearts, and to, to grant us all what we need to hear. So Father God, just thank you for this day, this opportunity to be together. Father, uh, I thank you for the opportunity to read your word, to be able to hold your word, and to speak from it. And Father, your Holy Spirit is incredible in all the things that he does, but Lord, what he's able to do with knuckleheads like me in bringing a word and to have it make sense to the people that receive it uh, might be just one of the top most amazing things, Lord, because you are just so good to us. But Father, I pray that you would bless this time together and be with us and be amongst us. Amen. Um, so something that you won't hear a lot of people admit uh, is I, I've always been a skeptic at heart. I've always had trouble just accepting things. I'm also, my mom, who was an optimist, would call me a realist, but me, who was a realist, would call myself a pessimist. I remember we'd be watching TV or something, and there'd be a commercial for a toy. I'd be like, that's a cool-looking toy, but let me think about when, if I actually got that toy, how good would it actually be? Or like, you know, you see a burger on a commercial, and you're like, that's a good-looking burger, but then you find out that that one's actually like styrofoam, spray-painted. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I never get my hopes up. And... Uh, I'm also somebody who, when things are going a certain way, I always kind of assume things are going to land in the negative to neutral end. That things are going to go poorly, or that things are going to just kind of continue on. Um, and as I was reading the scriptures that I get to bring to you today from Genesis 18 and 21, uh, I encountered uh, a historical figure, because I don't like to call them characters, because I like to remind myself that this actually happened. This is the most historically verifiable document that's ever existed. So within this, this incredible book, there is a historical figure, and her name is Sarah, wife of Abraham. And I found in reading this scripture, a kindred spirit, at least in this story. Because I 
am not someone who finds believing easy. There are people out there that are blessed with the ability to just have this incredible connection with God and just believe and believe in all things. And, and I, I struggle with that sometimes because I get in my own way. I put the stumbling blocks in front of my feet. I look at things in ways that aren't necessarily biblical, and that forces me to think of God in a different way. But in Genesis 18, verses 1 through 15, I just like to read them for you real quick. It says, And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks in Mamre. As he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, three men were, stand, er, were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on. Since you have come to your servant, so... So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three seas of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf and he, that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, it will, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. So this is a story about Abraham and Sarah. They're just relaxing at home one day, and then all of a sudden, coming down the road, is God in the flesh, in the form of Jesus Christ. Uh, this, is, this is what scholars call a theophany, an appearance of Jesus prior to his birth in the New Testament. And so Jesus shows up, and we don't know much about his, his comrades, the people that are with him. But we do know that Abraham sees him and sees him and runs, runs to God and bows and offers hospitality. He bows before God and says, have I, not, have, I, have I received favor from you? And he brings them back to his house and immediately goes to Sarah and says, we need our finest flour. We need to make cakes to celebrate. We need to go. He goes out to the field and finds the, the best calf and has it prepared so that they might have a meal with God. And Sarah helps out. And then while they're, they're eating, They're speaking. 
And God, they ask where Sarah is, and you heard what it was. She was in the tent. And God reminds of a promise that he had made. But he gives a specific timeline this time. Because previously the Lord had said, I will, you know, I will give you a son. But this time he says, this time next year, I will return and Sarah will have a son. And at this point, Sarah is 99 to 100 years old. I have friends who have struggled with, uh, and not just friends, but family members, and, and many people that I've encountered that have struggled with infertility, the inability to have kids. I've had friends that have successfully overcome that. I have kids or friends who have uh, gone the adoption route, which is amazing. But Sarah at this point is at a, at a point of her life where she has gone through that heartbreak of not being able to bear children. She has already struggled through that. She has already mourned that. And at this phase of her life, she's probably already overcome that mourning. And I can just imagine Sarah sitting in that tent, and it's kind of like that old wound is being torn open again. And she says, but God, inwardly, one of my favorite things about the story is that she chuckles inwardly. She doesn't laugh out loud. She chuckles quietly to herself. And she does this, and the Lord immediately goes, Sarah, why are you laughing? Because inwardly, she knows it's impossible. Inwardly, she knows she's 99 to 100 years old. My childbearing days are over. My husband is already along in years. How are we to bring a son into this world? And I identify with Sarah in this because a lot of times in my life and a lot of times in my walk with Christ, I know he's capable of doing the impossible. I read about it. I preach about it. I know about it, and I believe in it. But for some reason, I still struggle with accepting the fact that miracles can happen. I still struggle. I have moments in life where I encounter hardships. I think back to almost three years ago now when Esther was born, and she was born, she was stillborn. She had no heart rate, she wasn't breathing, and they had to resuscitate her. And I, I witnessed as the Lord breathed life into my little girl. And if you've seen her at all, she's got a lot of life. <laughs> Especially right now. She's a... Uh, She's a, she's a lot of fun. And then my second daughter, Emery, decided she was uh, ready, showed up a month early. We were really nervous. We thought we were going to have... We were prepared to go in for an emergency... Uh, not emergency, but we were going in for a C-section because things just weren't right. And we prayed. We came... We talked with the doctors, and we came to a, a peace in knowing, like, all right, we're going to have another C-section, but our baby's going to be Okay. And we prayed about it, we came to peace, and Leah was talking about how she really wanted to not have to have a C-section. And in, in that time frame, an emergency one came up, and so we sat in a tiny triage room for three hours, and in that time, her contractions started. And it was like, if she's not here by 5.30 in the morning, we'll go to a C-section. And a little after 4 o'clock in the morning, Emery made her way into this world. But still, I struggle 
I am, I am somebody who's also riddled with anxiety. And I know that the scriptures say, be anxious for nothing. But I get debilitating anxiety. You can ask my wife. I'll be sitting there, and something will set it off, and my body will start shaking. My arms will shake. I get a tick in my neck. I start stuttering like I just did. And I sit there, and all I can think about is, how can I financially provide for my wife and two kids? How can, if she, you know, if she goes back to work at a reduced hours, how can, how can we pay for these repairs? How can, we, how can we take care of these medical bills that we've incurred? How can, how can we do this? How can we do that? You know, Lord, my father is still going through cancer treatments. I preached after Esther was born, and I preached about the story of Jesus napping in a boat during a storm where all of his disciples are sitting there whimpering and fearful for their lives saying, you know, with every wave that crested the boat, surely this is the one that will sink me. But Jesus lay in the back of the boat napping. Not because he was unaware that there was a mighty storm. Not because he was... uh, not empathetic with the fears of his disciples, and not because he thought that they would sink, but Jesus got on that boat knowing that there would be a storm, knowing that hard times were ahead between where they were and where they were going, but knowing above all else that they would see the other side. And for me, I get caught up in the storm. I look around and I see the clouds or the smoke. And all I can think about is, all right, how do I survive this? What do I need to do to prepare myself and my family? What do I need to do to make sure that we can get through this and thrive on the other side? Instead of knowing that I will make it to the other side. I might not be where I think it is. It may not look how I think it would. But he will deliver me. You see, I am a skeptic. I remember being at a YMCA when I was a little kid. And we, my mom would take me to the daycare so she could go do her workouts. And I would get to the YMCA uh, daycare. And I would sit there and be like, none of these toys are going to work. Great, i got to push this car around. It's got a remote, but it doesn't even work. Like, I just innately have always been a skeptic. I think we all have moments, though, where we get like that. I think we all have moments where we can be skeptical, where we've read, or maybe we've even witnessed God's amazing powers. I look around this room, and I can see a dozen-plus people that in my time here, we've prayed for, for miracles, or incredible things, or for guidance, or for specific things to happen. And in one way or another, the Lord has answered. It might not have been in the timing we wanted. It may not have been in the way we were thinking. It may not have been how we would have ever pictured it working out. But the Lord in his time 
provided and showed us and guided us. I so deeply empathize with Sarah because there have been so many times where I've been reading the scripture, or I've been talking with somebody, or I've been praying, and I just go, I know that this will work out. I know it, and I believe it, but for some reason, still, I laugh quietly on the inside because I know what is being told or what is being promised or what is being asked is impossible. I know it's impossible. My child was dead. She wasn't coming back. And the Lord brought her back. My father is on his fourth round with cancer in the most aggressive treatment he's ever had, feeling the worst that he's ever, he ever has. Every time I see him, I act like it's the last time I'm going to see him. Because I don't know. But then he has a scan. It takes a week to get any results for some reason. And me, believing my father to be on his deathbed, finds out that the spots on his lungs are gone. The spots on his liver are shrinking. He's not cured. He still has cancer. But he's got time. But even more amazing than that is my father, who's always been a little, he's always been so stinking supportive of me and what I do. Without having a faith, it's unbelievable. But he's always been hesitant. And anytime the subject comes up, he kind of shuts down, doesn't want to engage in conversation. But the last time my dad was here, he expressed such incredible gratitude for all of you. Because to use a, a term that I think Trey used, uh, I Bible bombed my dad. My parents went on a cruise where they flew to stinking New Zealand. They went around New Zealand. And was, like, they're going to be gone for six weeks. So I am too much of a was to talk to my dad about Jesus. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask people to write him letters. I'm going to buy, I bought him a Bible. I highlighted verses. I put pictures in there. I'm like, here's why this verse is applicable to my life. And this is the role that you've played in my faith, even though you don't have a faith. And I packed that Bible into a box and I sent it to my mom. And my dad read it while he was on the, the cruise. Never said a word. That was March. This last time that he was here, though, we, I mean, it's been so chaotic with Emery being born and Esther just being so rambunctious that my dad and I haven't really had time together, and I think we're a little nervous to have time alone because things might come up, we might have conversations that we need to have but we don't want to have because it's awkward. And I was so sick that day like, they were all out at a farmer's market, and I stayed home in bed. But my dad came back early because he had to, he wanted to let their dog out. And 
He looked at me, he says, I don't know why. I don't know why. But I've always struggled with church and with faith. It's like, I, I get it. I understand why it's appealing to people. But I've always just struggled with it. And as hard as I think, I think that's the first time my dad has ever spoken to me about anything spiritual. It was the first, not that he's ever lied to me about it, but it's the first truly honest statement my father has ever made about his own personal faith to me. And then he said, but every time I go to your church, I meet someone new who goes, oh, you're Ethan's dad. You're the guy I've been praying for for three years. Or you're the guy that I need to blame. (laughs) And then he said something else honest to me. He says, I've been reading that Bible. And I'm going to keep reading it. And then he uses a statement that my, my grandfather used to say whenever faith would come up. He says, and it's a pretty common one. He says, there's no atheists in foxholes. And he said, I don't want to make a decision just because I think I'm close to the end. I truly never, ever, 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 ever thought that I would ever be able to have an honest conversation like that with my father. And it was brief. It wasn't long. It was those two statements. And then I went and got a sparkling water and went back to bed because I had a man flu. But he said that to me, and I just started beaming. I, still, I don't know how much time I have left with my dad. I know I have more now. I know my dad has more time with my girls, both of whom in their own ways are physical embodiments of God's incredible grace and mercy in the physical embodiments of God's promises kept. Because that's kind of an overarching theme anytime you talk about Abraham. You heard Brian preach on it several weeks ago about God's promises to Abraham. And spoiler alert, they all came true. I think it's important, though, to remember the context of promises and to remember how God, what God promises us, because... Like I said at the beginning, he will always fulfill those promises. But it might not be in our time. It might not be in the way that we thought it would look. But he will provide for us. He will carry us home. And if he promises us something, he is true to see it fulfilled. In chapter 21 of Genesis, verses 1 through seven it says, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son, Isaac, when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? 
yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Sarah had gone through the season of her life where she thought she was going to be able to have children and was unable to have children. She went through a season of life where she mourned the fact that she would not be able to have children and had entered into a phase of life where she settled in knowing that this is just how my life is going to be. The first time that God promised Sarah a child, a lot of scholars say, was 25 years before Isaac was born. So even at that time, Abraham would have been 75. The Lord works in his timing. The Lord works in his ways. The Lord works for the good of those who call on the name of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He may have promised you something, and you may not have seen it, but you will. You may feel like you're abandoned or broken or lost, but you're not. You may feel like you're unworthy. You may feel like you're the one sheep that he will not chase after. You're not. I can't tell you how many times in my life I have known that God will pull through and still doubt it. Only to have him prove me wrong. He gave me a wife. He, he led my wife to me. She made the first move. I always have to bring that one up. And then she says, but you proposed to me. And then I say, but you said yes. He brought me a wife uh, who loves me through all of my nonsense. Through my skepticism, my anxiety, my depression, my frustrations, my fears. Loves me through all that. And is my greatest cheerleader. He gave me a family that I could not begin to imagine. I remember being eight years old, lying in bed and just praying like, Lord, I just want to pray for my kids. I mean, I probably won't have any for, at that point, like 92 years, if I'm going off the scriptures. But I just want to pray for them, Lord. I just pray that I can be a good father. I just want to pray I can be a good example. But I I pray that they would know you. This is really before I ever, like, gave my life to Christ. And I just pray for them because I I love them so much. He gave me a mother and a father that, in their own ways, led me to the Lord. He gave me a career that I love, even though it's difficult. He gave me people to work with, to work alongside, students to, to serve that I love almost as much as I love my own children. We all have things in our lives that we're going through that we think are the impossible things. They might be big obstacles. They might be small obstacles. They might be professional. They might be personal. You know, within our church, there's always things that we're thinking about, like, this would be great, but we need X number of people to help out. 
the Lord provides. My challenge to you is, and I'll invite the worship team back up. My challenge to you is, maybe identify those things in your life that make you feel like Sarah. That make you feel like Maybe God forgot me. I know you said this X number of years ago. I know you said this one year ago. But obviously you don't understand how the human body works. God who created the human body. Or maybe you don't understand how careers work or families work. God who created that field and gave you that family. And know that in his timing and in his way, he will see you through. And in the meantime, in the midst of the turmoil, in the center of the storm, I want you to know that there is a church body around you who will hold you up, lift you up, pray for you, cheer you on, because they have done that for me countless times. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for praying for my family. Thank you for praying for my children. Thank you for praying for my father. Continued prayers are always great. But know that you are loved by the God who created the universe. You are valued by that same father who gave up his only son just to know you. And you are chosen by that same God to live a life that glorifies him, but ultimately also leads others to know his love and justice and mercy. You could be six months old. You could be 100 years plus. God is always working. God is always moving. So when you feel a little skeptical, remember... This actually happened. There actually is a God that spoke all of life. There actually is a son that came and died for you. And that same son came back to conquer death for us. And then when he ascended, he sent a Holy Spirit so that when some punk is standing in front of you, spewing what in five minutes will feel like complete babble in my own mind, hopefully you will have taken something from it because he's an incredible interpreter, teacher, and friend. And if you ever need anything, please know that we love you and we love serving as your pastors. We love you, and we love serving as your church staff. We love you, and we love standing by you as your brothers and sisters in Christ. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for the honesty of Sarah. I thank you for including that in your word to show us that there will be times in our lives where we're a little skeptical or we're a little unsure. 
But even in those seasons, you still provide. I thank you for Abraham and Isaac and Sarah, their whole family, and everything that has been built on from them because of your kept promises. You kept every promise leading up to that point, and you kept every promise until the end of days. But Father, for all of us in this room, I would just pray that we would dwell on the cross at this moment. Because that cross is where we are meant to go with the things that are holding us down and holding us back and keeping us from embracing you wholeheartedly. May we lay them down at the foot of that cross, knowing that they have been dealt with, they have been overcome, and you will see us through to the other side. And give us wisdom to know when those promises have been fulfilled. Because it, I keep saying it, Lord, it doesn't always look the way that we would assume or hope, but it always works out the way that it's meant to. And allow us to be grateful in those times. Lord, I love each and every one of these people in here, but not even close to a fraction of how much you love them. Be with us this day and every day moving forward. And Father, may we just embrace you May we be honest and lean into our faith. We love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.